this morning, after I've already taught on the positive ministry of the Holy Spirit, a lot of the things that He does in our life, I have a list of 20 things that I was going to go through, and I think I covered three or four. So that means we got at least 16 or 17 to go, and I'm not even going to get close. And so I just want to share with you just a couple of things tonight. And um, this is by no means an all-inclusive ministry about the Holy Spirit. I tell you, the Holy Spirit is the greatest gift God ever gave us outside of the actual atonement of Jesus and what he did for us. But Jesus didn't just do these things for us and then leave us on our own. But he sent a comforter, a guide that would show us and lead us and is there with us through every single thing that happens in our life. Man, that's powerful. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us all of the time. And yet I meet Christians and I'm not saying this to condemn or to criticize. I'm saying it to enlighten us and to open our eyes. But I meet Christians that are uh, lonely and bored. And people like that just do not understand that God is always with us. You know what? I, I at one time thought I could be a hermit. And then I got drafted and sent to Vietnam and spent a year without any Christian fellowship whatsoever. And I found out that wasn't true. I found out, you know, we need people and we need each other. But I'm the kind that, uh, you know, I like people and I like being around people, but I love being by my Lord, not by myself. I'm never by myself. I enjoy just being with the Lord. I enjoy spending time with the Lord. And there's a lot of people that don't have that type of a relationship to where the Lord's not a real person to them. He's a concept or he's in heaven and we got to pray him down. They don't recognize that he's with us and they don't feel the presence of God. I tell you, you're missing one of the great things about Christianity. There's many things about Christianity that are totally different than any other religion. But one of them is that we aren't serving a belief system or just a doctrine. It's a person. And this person isn't somewhere else. He's in us. He's with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. And that all happens through the Holy Spirit. And I tell you this, a lot of Christians aren't having a personal relationship with God because this is the job of the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse in Romans chapter 5. And I'm just breaking into the middle of a a teaching here by Paul, but for time's sake, I'm going to do it. And he said in Romans chapter five, in verse five, it says, and hope makes not a shame because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. The Holy Spirit leads you into the love of God. Matter of fact, this word shed abroad means to gush forth vehemently is what the Greek is talking about. Jesus said a similar thing in John chapter seven. He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And then the next verse explains it. This spake he of the spirit that they that believed upon him would receive. Did you know when you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's like a well of living water on the inside of you. And it just gushes forth with the love of God. There are some of you looking at me like, well, I received the Holy Spirit and that isn't my experience. Well, it's because somehow or another you haven't turned on the tap. This is what's available though. This is what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is meant to be. 
You know, ministering the baptism of the Holy Spirit is as simple as what we do here. We've had 175 people receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The vast majority of those have spoken in tongues right here. And it's as simple as what I present. It doesn't take days and months and years. The Pentecostals used to teach that you have to tarry based on Acts chapter 1 where the Lord says, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power. And some of them would wait 20 and 30 years to receive the Holy Spirit. That's a misapplication of scripture because if you're going to actually take that scripture and apply it literally, then you have to go to Jerusalem to tarry. The Holy Spirit wasn't given at that time. And so it was appropriate to say, tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you receive power. But now that the Holy Spirit is given, it says in Acts chapter two, verse 38, that this is unto you and unto your children and unto them that are far off. That's verse 39, I think. Even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And so we don't have to tarry. It is as simple as just praying and receiving. But one of the drawbacks to ministering the Holy Spirit the way we do is that people come and they've never even heard of the Holy Spirit before. They hear me minister, they come down and they receive, and there wasn't any longing for it. There wasn't any anticipation. They didn't expect that much. And so because of it, some people may actually receive the Holy Spirit and receive some of the gifts, but then they don't place much of a demand on it. When Jamie and I received the Holy Spirit, we were the first time I ever heard about the Holy Spirit, I thought I was the first person in 2,000 years that had ever had this revelation about speaking in tongues. I ran across Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18. These signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall speak with new tongues. And I, I thought I was the only person that had ever seen this. I didn't know that anybody else had ever received it. They certainly hadn't in my Baptist church. Amen. <laughs> And uh, I thought it was just totally new. And so anyway, there was no encouragement. I was told it's demon tongues. This is of the devil and, and uh, just terrible stuff. And anyway, by the time I finally received and started speaking in tongues, I had spent years pursuing it and trying to figure out what is the combination to receive the Holy Spirit. And so when I got, and it was the same with Jamie. I remember when Jamie received it, I was there when she received the Holy Spirit. And when she received the Holy Spirit, it changed us because we were expecting it to change us. We had high expectations. And I think I can speak for Jamie and me both that, boy, when we received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we were overwhelmed with love. God's love for us, you can't give away what you don't have. So the first thing that happened was we just, we were overwhelmed with the fact that God loved us, but then we had a supernatural love flow through us to other people. I mean, we loved other people, even the people that didn't like us or that criticized us and told us we were of the devil because we had now received the Holy Spirit. We loved them. That is one of the distinguishing characteristics of the Holy Spirit is that it causes the love of God to flow in your life. And I'm just amazed at people who claim to have received the Holy Spirit and they may have, but somehow or another, they're just as mean as a snake. They just say terrible things. Amen. You know, we've, We've grown in the ministry and I can't talk to every single person now. I'd like to. I come an hour before 
I stay, I minister to people. I would love to sit down and visit with every one of you, but it's physically impossible. And so because of that, we have some people here that help us or otherwise I have people come up and break in line and grab me while I'm trying to minister to somebody and you got, so anyway, we've got some people and you know what? There are spirit filled tongue talking people that are some of the rudest, meanest people around. They have done things. They've nearly knocked Jim Ertle over. They've cussed him out. They've done things. Quote unquote, spirit filled people. Something's wrong with this picture. I'm telling you that the Holy Ghost sheds abroad the love of God in our heart. And if you aren't feeling the love and also ministering the love, you got to disconnect someplace with the Holy Spirit. You may speak in tongues, but if you don't do it motivated by God's kind of love, you're just a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. It profits you nothing. The Holy Spirit, if you will receive it and allow it, the Holy Spirit will fill you with love. You'll love people. You'll quit being a gossip and vicious and talking about people and doing things. Man, there's nothing wrong with any of us that the love of the Holy Spirit wouldn't fix. Man, if we were walking in love, if we were considering other people ahead of ourselves, it would transform not only your life, but it would transform our society. Man, it's just selfish. The Holy Spirit is the antidote for selfishness. He will fill you with the supernatural God's kind of love. And it's not something you have to even ask for. This is his ministry. This is what it says that the Holy Spirit sheds forth the love of God in our hearts. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I have people come all of the time and they say, I just don't feel the love of God. Would you please pray for me? And they, they think that's a wonderful request. And it's all I can do to just keep from the spirit of slap coming over me and say, what's wrong with you? Straighten up. That's not love, is it? (laughs) But people think, well, what's wrong with that? You're saying that God is the one that has quit loving you and it's God's fault that you don't feel love. And so you're going to go and start petitioning God and say, God, you start loving me. God's never the one that quits loving you. The Holy Spirit is constantly sharing the love of God. If you don't feel the love of God, if you don't have joy and peace and all of these things, it's not because God turned it off. It's because you shut it off. You're the one that turns it on and off. And so what I'm saying is that if you don't feel the love of God, you don't have to plead with God to love you. He's already commended his love towards you. Just allow the Holy Spirit to start shedding the love of God in your heart. Start asking him and saying, turn to Romans chapter five, verse five and say, this is your job is to show me the love of God. Here I am. Reveal it to me. Shed forth the love of God. Let it be like rivers of living water that flow through me. John chapter seven. Man, most people, instead of it being rivers of living water, it's more like you could uh, get the picture of one of these old pumps that you have to crank. And you know what? You have to pump and pump and pump because the thing's dry and you got to get your prime up and you work and work and work. And about the time you finally get a squirt, you're tired and you rest and you lose your prime. And then you got to go through the whole thing again. Instead of there being this artesian well that is just bubbling out of you and you have love and joy, it's just a little drop, a little squirt every once in a while with much effort in between. 
That's describing a lot of people's Christian's life. That is a life void of this ministry of the Holy Spirit to shed the love of God in your heart. Man, that's powerful. If you really understood this, if you got nothing out of this conference, but this one thing, that the Holy Spirit's ministry, his job, his commission that God gave him is to show you the love of God. Man, that would transform your life. How could you ever be lonely? Man, when you get by yourself, oh, Holy Spirit, what a great time. Now, just show me the love of God and start feeling the love of God and having God tell you things and show you things. You'd get to where it'd be hard for you to be around people. You'd a lot rather spend time with God, with the Holy Spirit. Another verse that I have down here, I'm not going to get to it, but it talks about... Uh, Paul was talking about the love and the communion and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Man, most of us don't know what it's like to sit down and visit and fellowship with the Holy Spirit and let the Holy Spirit encourage you and show you the love of God. He's a person. He's not a thing. He's a person. He's God Almighty and he lives on the inside of you and he will fellowship with you. He will say things to you. I had one woman tonight ask why God did this. And she says, what do you think the purpose is? And she was asking, am I supposed to share this with somebody? I said, I don't know. I said, maybe he just did it because he loves you. You know, there's a lot of us that we are so works oriented. There's got to be some, somebody who gets saved, something that happens through this. Sometimes God just does things because he loves you. God just blesses you. He just loves you. He wants to fellowship with you. There doesn't always have to be some purpose. He may just be wanting to tell you that he loves you. He's shedding forth the love of God in your heart. Most of us will not let God love us like that. We don't believe that we have that kind of worth and value in his sight. You know, I remember that when Jamie and I was first getting started, we would go to these meetings and we would just be so overwhelmed. We would be just like, slain in the presence of God. Other people would get up and leave when the service was over and we'd just sit there and soak it up. Like, how can people walk out? Can't they feel the presence of God? And people would just come and go like God wasn't there. And we would just be overwhelmed. We would we'd go home and sit there for hours just praising God. And I remember those feelings of being in the presence of God in meetings like that. And I held a meeting, I think it was in Omaha, Nebraska, I don't know, 20, 30 years ago or something like this. And it was one of the first times in one of my meetings that the power of God was so present. People were being blessed and healed and miracles were happening. And I saw people responding the same way. They just wouldn't leave. They'd just sit there. They were stunned in the presence of God. And I remember as I was driving to the hotel, I was just thanking the Lord and saying, thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. That what, I, what you've done in my life, you're now doing through me and you're touching other people. And I was just thanking him and telling him how much I appreciated that, what an honor it was. And you know what the Lord, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and he said, well, thank you, Andrew. And the first time I thought that, I thought, that's not the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost wouldn't thank me. God would never thank me. That's stinking thinking. You know what? The Holy Spirit loves you and he'll tell you things about how he loves you and how he appreciates you doing certain things. 
And most of us won't let the Holy Spirit love us like that. You don't even have that concept. And it hinders this revelation of love that the Holy Spirit comes to bring. But the Holy Spirit wants to love you. He wants to fellowship with you. God, if he loved you enough to die for you, don't you think he could at least say thank you to you? I know what I'm saying really makes some of you uncomfortable because you aren't that intimate. You don't get close to God like that. But the Holy Spirit will teach you this. I tell you what, God's passionate about you. God loves you. And some of you really struggle with that because you don't love yourself. But God loves you. He sees you different than you see yourself. He sees you in the spirit. He doesn't just see you based on your actions and all of the weird things that you do. He sees what he did on the inside of you. It's like when God created light, he said, let there be light. And it says he saw the light that it was good and separated the darkness from the light. There was darkness there, but he didn't look at the darkness. He saw what he made. He saw the light and he saw that the light was good. Man, we just gravitate towards the negative and because we got some darkness and areas of our life that aren't the way that we know that they should be. We get critical of ourselves, but God doesn't look at the darkness in your life. He looks at the light. He looks at the good things. He looks at what he's been doing in your life and the Holy Spirit will show you how much God loves you. He will show you the goodness of God. Man, that's powerful. I promise you this, if you really had the love of God shed abroad in your heart, like an artesian well, not just a squirt every once in a while, but just bubbling up out of you, there's not a person in here that your life wouldn't transform and you wouldn't, you would also transform in the way you touch other people's lives around you. The Bible says Galatians 5, 6, faith works by love. If you knew how much God loved you, your faith would go through the roof. You wouldn't be struggling to believe and receive things from God, but faith would just, you would be overwhelmed with faith. If you've got a deficiency in faith, you've got a deficiency in love. If you're struggling to believe, it's because you struggle to understand how much God loves you. That's a simple statement, but it's absolutely true. There's a number of times, you know, you you just... You don't have a role model for that unconditional kind of love. People in the natural realm, things that you see with your physical eyes, they do not give you unconditional love. Everything's conditional. And when you do bad, they'll turn on you and they'll reject you and you'll receive criticism instead of blessing. And so if you aren't open to the Holy Spirit, you'll, you'll get away from this. And there's times in my life, you don't ever just walk perfectly and figure out the truth and you never make a mistake. It's more like this. You head in that direction and then you veer off and get sidetracked by the world. You just don't ever do anything perfectly. And I can tell you that there's times since the Lord has shown me how much he loved me, that I would start letting the criticism of other people or the worry of different things, or I got problems in front of me and it'd start bothering me and I would be struggling and I'd still be going, saying the same things because I knew enough to say what the word said and still believing for the same results. And I, but I just lost my power because I had gotten uh, criticized and I was sitting here thinking about what other people said or stuff like this. And I couldn't tell you the number of times that God has just reminded me of how much he loves me. 
And man, when I get my eyes back on how much God loves me and I get to thinking about that, it's just like all of these problems just fall off. And I'm doing the same thing, but there's a difference when you really believe with your heart that God loves you, that God's pleased with you, that he's not upset with you. Some of you are just looking at me like, man, I'm not not sure. I feel like we don't have a frame of reference. Some of you have never really felt God's love like what I'm talking about. You know, not long after the Lord poured his power out on me, March the 23rd, 1968, and for four and a half months, I was just caught up in the love of God. I never slept more than an hour at a time. I never ate a meal. I just grabbed something. But for four and a half months, I was caught up in the love of God. I was gone someplace. And not long after that, I I would drive 45 miles to go to church on the other side of Dallas from where I was. It was over an hour drive. And so on Sundays, instead of coming home in between the morning and the night service, I'd stay over there with people and visit with them and then go to the night service. And so uh, there was this one couple that I'd stayed at their house quite a bit and their daughter did not like the Lord. She hated God and hated anything to do with Christianity. And she especially hated me out of all the Christians that she knew. She just hated me. And I don't know, she's 20 something years old or something. She's about my age at that time. And, um, so anyway, I was over at these people's house and I was really tired. And they said, just go up into our daughter's room and take a nap. Cause she left every time I came over, she left. So her room was vacant and they said, take a nap. So I went up there and I was taking a nap. And anyway, I was asleep and I heard the door open. And it was one of those things where uh, I was in a sound sleep. And yet I, boom, just woke up like that. I was wide awake when I heard that door open. And I heard somebody come in. You could hear the floor creaking and the door closing. I was thinking, oh, I bet it's this girl. She doesn't want to see me. I don't want to see her. Whatever she needs to get, get it and leave. And so I just laid there like I was asleep. And she walked around the room and I heard a drawer open and I heard different things happen. And then they walked over and stood right beside the bed. And I was getting concerned by then, like, is she going to kill me or what's happening? But by that time, I I was... uh, feeling like a hypocrite if I woke up, you know, and she knew that I had been awake this whole time. So I just kept acting like I was asleep. I was laying there with my eyes closed. And then they sat down on the bed and I could feel the weight shift as they leaned across me and I opened my eyes. And you know, I, I, before I opened my eyes, they kissed me right on the mouth. And man, I opened my eyes and you know what? There was nobody in that room. And I jumped straight up and I looked around and I went out into the hall and, lo- and nobody was there. And I thought, God, what is this? And my first thought was, it's the Lord. And then I thought, man, if he, it was the Lord, he'd have come in and rebuked me and told me what a sorry thing I was. See, that's the way I've been taught. And the Lord just spoke to me and he said, if I loved you enough to die for you, don't you think I could, I'd love you enough to kiss you? And you know what? That's the Holy Spirit ministering to me. And I know some of you think, I don't believe God does that kind of stuff. Well, pity you. 
That's the reason that you don't have faith working any better is because you don't understand how much God loves you. The Holy Spirit will teach you how much God loves you. And once you experience the pure, unconditional love of God for you, you know what? It just makes everything else nothing in comparison. I had a horse I used to ride every day of my life for years. Rain, snow, sleet, whatever. It didn't matter. I rode that horse every day of my life. I felt the love of God. It was four and a half months later before I even remembered if that horse was still there. I hadn't even thought of that horse. I didn't know if anybody had fed the horse, if the horse was still alive. And I still like horses, but you know what? Compared to God's love, I just lost interest in anything else. It's the love of Jesus that transformed my life. And it was the baptism of the Holy Spirit that shed the love of Jesus abroad in my life. And brothers and sisters, this is not just for some ministers, for some individuals. This is for every single believer. The Holy Spirit wants to convince you, persuade you of how much God loves you. And whether you know it or not, that is your antidote for depression, for discouragement, for fear, for worry, for loneliness, whatever it is that you need. I guarantee you, if you've got the love of God shed abroad in your heart, you'd be over your problem. Whether your physical circumstances change or not, the storm wouldn't be on the inside of you anymore. You would be overwhelmed with God's love. You know, I got drafted right after that and I got sent to Vietnam. And in Vietnam, I was so full of the love of God that I actually was surrounded one time by NVA troops. I was a chaplain's assistant and I flew out with the chaplain because this fire support base was about to be overrun. And yet they were going to make them hold that position. And sure enough, the fire support base was overrun and nearly every person on that hill was killed. There was about 60 or 70 people in this advanced fire support base. And the chaplain went out in a sense to administer last rites to these guys and hold a service right before they were all killed. And so we were there. We were in an area that was smaller than this room. And while we were there in just two or three hour period of time, we took two... uh, 175 mortar hits inside of that perimeter. We were under heavy fire. And I didn't even think about this because you know what was going through me? I was thinking, oh Jesus, I can see you. This could be the day I get to physically see you. I could be with you. And I had my M16 pointed down the hill and I could see the muzzle fire from the Vietnamese weapons as they were charging the hill and stuff like that. And um, I was, I knew where I was going and I thought, oh, praise God, I could be in heaven before the night's over. And I was actually excited. And as I was pointing my gun at them, and I would have fired if they had got close enough, but I didn't have to. They were, it was way off in the distance. But I was praying and saying, but God, what about these Vietnamese? And I was praying for them and interceding and asking God to touch them. And I knew that they were scared just like people on our side were scared. And I was praying and interceding for the people that were trying to kill us. And you know what? It was 20 years afterwards when somebody gave me a book and I read their experience 
that I realized what it would have been like without the love of God. He was sharing a testimony and the fear and the dread. And I read it 20 years later and fear overwhelmed me so that I had to start praying and rebuking and drawing on the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome it. And God just gave me a flashback and showed me that, man, because I was in this bubble of how much God loved me, fear of death didn't bother me. Nothing bothered me. I faced death and it was just no big deal. Praise God. If I die, I get to go be with Jesus. This is what, this is what the apostle Paul was saying in Philippians chapter one. He says, you know, they're seeking to kill me, but he says, it doesn't matter for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. I'd rather go and depart and be with Christ, but I think it's necessary that I stay here. So I'm going to stay here for your benefit. The apostle Paul was saying the same thing. It's better to go to be with the Lord than it is to live. And yet most people are afraid of death and all of these things. We sing the song, when we all get to heaven, what a day that's going to be. And we just shout, oh, it's going to be glorious. And then the doctor tells you you're going there and you start crying. (laughs) You fall apart like a $2 suitcase and something's wrong with this picture. You know what the apostle Paul, if they would have told him he was going to die, I believe he'd have just reached up and kissed the doctor and said, oh, awesome, awesome for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. You know, when you're walking in the love of God, it's just like you are repellent to all of the problems of this world. There's people that come up to me and they're fighting depression. They're depressed. I tell you what, any, I'll know some of you will dislike me for this and you'll criticize me and say, you don't understand my hormones and my chemicals. I haven't got time to debate it with you. You're free to have your opinion, but I'm not going to agree with you or we'd both be wrong. I'm just telling you that it's impossible, impossible for you to be depressed and have the Holy Spirit revealing how much he loves you. It just does not compute. If any of you have ever really had a revelation of the love of God, whether it's a continual thing or just momentary or whatever, you can agree with what I'm talking about. When you get a revelation of how much God loves you, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. You know, the way I cope with people hating me, I've got blogs written against me. I've got people that say terrible things that have accused me of stuff. And the way I cope with it is that it's not that I'm insensitive and it's not that I like people disliking me, but it's just, who are you compared to God? Amen. God loves me. And I can truthfully say that if you're one of those that somebody said something about me and because of it, you spend two or three days whining and griping and complaining and depressed because somebody criticized you, you aren't walking in the love of God. When you are walking in the love of God, it just really doesn't matter. Who are you? Amen. It solves all of your problems. I'm really trying to go on to another point, but this is a pretty good point right here. Amen. (laughs) You just need to understand the love of God. And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. All you got to do is say, Holy Spirit, it's your assignment. Man, I am more than ready. Reveal Jesus. Show me how much he loves me. And then give him something to work with. Study the scriptures that talk about the love of God. Pray in tongues and let him build you up and edify you. It says over in Isaiah chapter 28, talking about speaking in tongues, it says, this is the rest and this is the refreshing. 
wherewith you may cause the weary to rest. Speaking in tongues builds you up. Jude chapter one, verse 20, it says, but you beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. That's talking about speaking in tongues. When you speak in tongues, again, the Holy Spirit starts showing you love. Galatians 5, 6, faith works by love. And therefore you get built up on your most holy faith when you are praying in tongues. And then the next verse in Jude chapter one, verse 21, after it says praying in the Holy Ghost, it says, keep yourself in the love of God. Well, that's a radical statement. Again, most people say, oh God, please keep me in your love. Just help me to walk in your love. God has already commended his love to you. He gave you the Holy Spirit to reveal his love. And it's up to you to keep yourself in the love of God is what that says. And the way you do it is by praying in tongues and letting the Holy Spirit do his work. If you don't feel the love of God, it's not God who's not loving you. It's you that's not receiving You need to receive the Holy Spirit and then welcome the Holy Spirit to show you his love and speak in tongues and build yourself up on your most holy faith. And you keep yourself in that constant state of awareness of the love of God by focusing on him. Man, that's awesome. If what I'm saying is true, which it is, then you know what? We haven't got an excuse for the discouraged, defeated, fearful lives that many Christians live. There's reasons why it happened, but there is no excuse. God has given us more than enough equipment to keep ourselves in the love of God and keep ourselves built up. If you can't say amen, say oh me. Man, that's awesome. Look in Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Boy, there's just so much to say about the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to get it all into one conference. Acts chapter 13, verse 2, it says in verse 1, Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and, I don't know, Manon, and which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Notice it says in verse two, that the Holy Ghost said, the Holy Spirit said and gave them direction. He called and separated them unto the ministry. The Holy Spirit is the one who guides us. He speaks to us. This is another such an important point. I couldn't tell you how many people have come to me and they they say something about, you said that the Lord told you this and the Lord said this and the Lord said that. How do you hear the Lord? I want God to speak to me. I wish God would speak to me. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. And I've got a teaching, that teaching on how to follow God's will We'll go into a lot more detail. How to be led of the Holy Spirit. It's another teaching album I've got that goes into a lot more detail. I'd encourage you to get those. But I'm going to try and distill some of this real quickly and just say some things that could really help you. But the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you from the outside in. Now he can, 
There, God can speak in an audible voice. He could write your name on a cloud. He could have a dog walk up to you and tell you what you need to know. God can do anything and he has. He spoke through Balaam's donkey and there are supernatural things. But the number one way that the Holy Spirit speaks to you is right here it said that he spoke to them and said, separate me Barnabas and Saul. But the number one way he speaks to you is not external through your audible ears or through your visible eyes that you see something. But it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 17, it says, He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And the Greek word for one there is hes, H-E-I-S, and it means a singular one to the exclusion of another. In other words, we aren't one with the Spirit in the sense that we are now similar. And here is the Holy Spirit up here and here we are down here going in a parallel direction. No, we are one. We're identical. Your born again Spirit. I wished I had days to explain this point. But your born again Spirit is ounce for ounce, molecule for molecule, if there are such things in the Spirit realm, identical to the Holy Spirit. You are one spirit. You have been merged. He sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, Galatians chapter four, around verses four, five, six. When you got born again, he took out of you a dead spirit that was separated from God and he put his spirit within you and his spirit and your born again spirit are one. And whatever is true of the Holy Spirit is also true of your born again human spirit. Boy, there's a million applications of that. Here's one that's a little bit off topic. Remember where I am. I'll come back to this, but, uh, Galatians chapter five, verse 22 and 23 says the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That's true of the Holy Spirit, but it's also true of your born again spirit because you are one with him in your born again spirit. There is always love. If you don't feel love, it's because you aren't in the spirit. You're in the flesh. You're going by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. You're listening to the world. You're listening to what people have to say. But when you are in the spirit, your spirit is always full of love. If you don't feel love, you've solved the problem. Some of you are thinking, well, how did I solve the problem? Because you aren't in the spirit. You're in the flesh. Get into the spirit. Start praying in tongues, welcome the Holy Spirit. And as you get your mind spiritually minded and thinking on the spirit of God, love starts flowing. I can make the love of God flow through me. I don't have to go and ask God to love me. He's already done it and he put love in me. And if I don't feel the love of God, if I'm feeling rejection, it's because I've got my mind on what some person said or what my problems are. But there is always, always love on the inside of me. And if I would rather feel love than rejection, then it's up to me to pray in tongues, build myself up on the most holy faith and keep myself in the love of God. And I just flip the switch and turn on the love of God on the inside of me. And I start feeling the love of God and enjoying his presence. Amen. I know some of you are thinking it can't be that easy. 
Well, don't wake me up. This is how I'm living. Amen. This is how I run my life. And I'm telling you, this is the way it works for me. I've got love, joy. Did you know that the whole time you're depressed and saying, oh God, just pour out your joy in my life. Oh God, touch me. The problem is you're in the flesh. You're going by what you feel and what you think. You aren't walking by the spirit, man. I keep pointing to my spirit because that scripture I quoted out of John chapter seven says, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. This spake he of the spirit. So your spirit is here in your belly. Some of you look like you got more of the spirit than others. But it's not true, praise God. So right here, I've got love and joy and peace. You know, the whole time you've been depressed and saying, oh God, where are you? God, do you still love me? Oh God, please encourage me. It's only your flesh that is discouraged. If you're born again, your spirit is basking in the love, joy, and peace. You have never known a moment of discouragement in the spirit realm. If you're discouraged, it's because you're in the flesh. And the sad thing is most Christians consider the flesh your physical feelings, the real you. And just every once in a while, the things that are true in the spirit splash over into the physical and you feel a little goosebump go up and down your spine. And that's all that most Christians experience is just momentary little brief encounters with the Lord. That's because you are identifying and living in the flesh. But if you would get into the spirit which the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. John six sixty three, The spirit is the word. And so you just get into the word and somebody says, how are you? Instead of saying, oh man, I heard all over and the doctor says this and the prognosis is bad and I lost my job. And instead of, that's the flesh. When somebody says, how are you? You think, well, let's see. The real me is born again. I'm a new man in the spirit. How am I? Well, let me look in the mirror right here. And you just flip over to Ephesians 1, 3 and say, man, I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm blessed. And somebody says, no, I want to know how you really are. And I tell them, I really am blessed. Amen. No, I want to know how you really, really are. I really, really am blessed. Amen. I know some of you think I'm weird, but I think you're weird. I think this is normal Christianity, walking in the spirit and seeing what you've done. In the spirit, I've got love and joy and peace. I am one spirit with the Lord. What is true of the Holy Spirit is true of me. If you think that God gets discouraged, well, then you've got a right to get discouraged. But he doesn't. And if you're discouraged, it's because you aren't walking in him and in what he's provided. You're in the flesh. So get out of the flesh and over into the spirit. By fi- First of all, you've got to find out what is true. What do you have in the spirit? Galatians 5, 22, you've got love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. That's always in you. There is never a time that you aren't bearing that fruit. Your spirit is constantly filled with love, joy, and peace. If you aren't filled with it, it's because you aren't walking in the spirit. You aren't drawing on who you are in Christ. You aren't letting the Holy Spirit take what's in your spirit, man, and put it out into the soul and into the body. And so it's up to you. Draw on it. Start realizing. Release it. This is the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to take what's true in the spirit realm and release it into the physical realm. Man, that's awesome. 
That is awesome. If the world could grab, if, well, forget the world. If the Christians could grab hold of what I'm talking about, this would revolutionize the world. You've got the same power that raised Christ from the dead in your spirit. And yet how many Christians are, oh God, please touch it. Reach forth your hand and touch me. And you're waiting on God to touch you. You're already touched. You're touched in the head. You aren't thinking right. We pray things like, oh, the demons are over Phoenix and they're blocking our prayers from getting up to God and God's power can't reach down because the demons are blocking it. And so we have spiritual warfare conferences so that we can make a little hole in the ceiling or in the atmosphere above Phoenix so that your prayers can get up to God. How stupid can you get and still breathe? Was that too subtle? Anybody missed my point on that one? Well, brother, isn't that what happened in Daniel chapter nine? Yeah, that was an Old Testament man that, you know, they said, rend the heavens and come down. And there's Christians that pray that, rend the heavens and come down. But that's an Old Testament prayer. Jesus rent the heavens and he came down. And now you don't need to clear a little area in the atmosphere so that your prayers can get up to him. I bet you most of you have heard people say, well, that prayer didn't get above the ceiling. You don't need your prayers to get above your nose. Right here's where God is. That's why you bow your head when you pray and you say, Father, amen. (laughs) Praise God. That's where all of this weird doctrine comes from is because people don't realize the New Testament that God moved from heaven and he lives inside of me. And I've got love and joy and peace. It's not out there and I don't have to pray and ask God to send it. I don't need God to stretch forth his hand and heal me. He's already put raising from the dead power on the inside of me. And what I've got to do is get out of my flesh and quit going by what I see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. And I've got to start walking by faith and release what's already real in my born again spirit. Man, that's awesome. So he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. 1 Corinthians 6, 6, uh, 6 17. And here's, a, here's the real reason I wanted to get on that scripture. We're now back to where I was going. You are one with the Holy Spirit. And the way that the Holy Spirit guides you isn't to come from the outside and speak to your physical ears or to your physical eyes. He can do that, but that's not the dominant way. You know how the Holy Spirit communicates with you? You're one. And the things that God is passionate about and feels and knows, it just, you know it in your born again spirit because you're one. He communicates things through, you get impressions, leadings, promptings. He doesn't always verbalize it. And if he does speak to you, it's not going to be, Andrew, I think you should go do this because my born again spirit is one with his spirit. My spirit will pick up on what the Holy Spirit is thinking and feeling And then my spirit will talk to me and say, Andrew, I think I should do this. And because it's in the first person instead of the third person, 
A lot of people just blow this off and think, I wonder why I'm thinking that. You're thinking it because your born again spirit is united with the Holy Spirit. And what the Holy Spirit feels, your born again spirit feels. I had a friend of mine who had, uh, he lived in a small town of a hundred people. There were two people in his town that had leukemia and he was a pastor of a church. And these two boys died of leukemia in this little town of a hundred people. The, the percentage of people that have leukemia are minute compared to the overall population. The chances of having two people die of leukemia in a town of 100 people are negligent nearly. It's nearly impossible. This was demonic, an attack. And anyway, he was telling me about this and I said, well, did you pray for him? And he says, you know, I really wanted to pray for him. I wanted to go over there and pray for them and lay hands on them so many times, but I would pray and ask God, am I supposed to pray for him? And I just never had him tell me anything. And man, I just wanted to say, bend over and let me kick you. Amen. (laughs) Because that desire to go pray for them was the Holy Spirit communicating to him. You don't desire to go help people. In the natural, a fallen human being cares only about themselves. They are oblivious to other people. They don't care. They don't have compassion for anybody or anything else. If you have compassion and if you want to help somebody, you know what? That's not your carnal self. That's the Holy Ghost. That's the compassion of the Holy Spirit. But it's not going to be like, Andrew, you go do this. It'll come to me as, man, I want to help this person. And some people, because it's you saying that this is your desire, you can't distinguish that it's the Holy Spirit. You think it's just yourself. And so you want to, this is what Wendell and I were talking about. The school, people say, man, I want to go to school. (laughs) It's not the devil. It's not your flesh that's wanting you to go to school. If you want to go to school, guess what is wanting you to go to school? It's the born again part of you. It's being inspired by the Holy Spirit. The flesh doesn't want to do those kind of things. This is not a natural, normal desire to pluck up your life, to change your whole life and devote two years to seeking God. What part of this do you not understand? If you have that desire, guess who gave it to you? Guess where it came from? It's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And yet many people just blow this off and miss it because they forget that he that's joined unto the Lord is one spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't speak to you and say, you go do this. He will just give you his desire to go do something. And your spirit is one with him. And all of a sudden you are desiring this. And you long to do this. And yet Christians will sit there and say, man, I've always wanted to be a missionary. I've always wanted to do this. Or I I bet you another thing that many of you could relate to. There's some of you in here that you work a job that you hate. You do it because you have to do it. And you've said things like, man, what I'd really like to do. What I've always dreamed of doing. And yet you're doing something contrary to the desires that's in your heart. And many of you are stifling the Holy Spirit, not realizing that God is the one that put those desires in your heart. Now, not every desire that comes to you is from God. And so you have to be able to judge. How do you judge whether this is a godly desire or a selfish desire? The word of God, it says in 
Hebrews chapter four, verse 12, but the word of God is quick. That means alive and powerful and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. Soul is the part of you that is carnal, physical, natural. Spirit is a part of you that's born again and that's one with the Lord. And so the word of God will divide even down to telling you whether it's coming from your soul, the carnal part of you or the spirit part of you. The word of God will help you to discern these leadings. If you are desiring a new wife, you don't like the one you got. And I think I just, I like this one. She looks a lot better than mine. You know what? That's not the spirit. Because the word says that God hates putting away. He says he created one man for one woman for one lifetime. That's what the word says. And so if you've got a desire contrary to that, it's not coming from God. It's coming from your flesh. If you desire to go over here and let's lie about this person so that I can get his job. Let's misrepresent it. You can go to the 10 commandments, Exodus chapter 20. You shall not bear false witness and say, nope, that wasn't God. That's the flesh. If you've got vengeance in you, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, thus saith the Lord, I will repay. And if you're trying to hurt somebody, it doesn't have to be physical. You can just turn the cold shoulder and let them suffer for a while. Let them sleep on the couch. Just, you know, punish them until you think they've suffered equal to what you've done. That's not God. He told you to turn the other cheek. He told you to love people. The word of God will help you discern And you have to know the word of God to say, is this desire really of you? And the ultimate test for me is that if it's something that's not clearly defined in the word of God, like say for instance, you know, I saw a house and man, I think I really would like to have this house, but is that a godly desire? Is this God leading me for this or not? Well, there's some things that you could use Uh, from the word of God to help you discern that. For one thing, if you have to give an arm and a leg, if this is going to put you under bondage, man, that is not a godly principle. Oh, no man, anything. God doesn't want you hawking your life and and paying triple what something is worth over the uh, long term. Anyway, that's a separate deal. But you could weed out a lot of stuff right there. But let's say it's something that is within your means. It is something that you could do. But God is... Am I supposed to do this or not? To me, the way I really test things that don't have a specific direction, I use Psalms chapter 37, verse four, which says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean that he will give you whatever you want, but when you are truly putting your, your delight in the Lord, when you are seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then God will start giving you his desires. See, this happened when you got born again. Some of you used to desire to get drunk, to go dope and do different things. And when you got born again, man, he just changed your want to. Your desires changed and things that you used to desire, you don't desire anymore. Well, that can work. It just continues to increase. And so if you are really putting God first, he will give you his desires. And so if I'm trying to figure out, is this desire from the Lord? And if there isn't a clear cut scripture that, that judges this thing and tells me what to do, then what I do is just, I forget the thing that I'm thinking about. And I just go to focusing on the Lord. I'll fast, I'll pray, 
I'll put on praise and worship music. I'll just spend the day loving God and seeking Him. And if the more I delight myself in the Lord, the less I desire to do something, then I'll know that that was just a carnal desire. Because when I delight myself in the Lord, the more I delight myself in the Lord, the less that desire dominates me. But if I delight myself in the Lord and the desire increases, then I take that as being a word from God and I act on it. And this is how God leads you. This is how the Holy Spirit speaks to you is he puts desires in your heart. Boy, that is so simple. You got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand what I've said. (laughs) And yet it's potentially dangerous because whether you are really delighting yourself in the Lord is somewhat subjective. And there could be a person who's just lying and not truly seeking God. And they, it's easy for them to say, oh yeah, I'm delighting myself in the Lord. And yet every desire you've got violates the word of God. And so there, this is potentially dangerous. It's like a gun. You know what? A gun is powerful and it can help you and it can save your life. And there's positive things that it can do. But you know what? You can't just give it to a a child because they could kill themselves or kill somebody else with it. What I'm saying here is really powerful, but it's also potentially dangerous if you aren't honest with God. Scripture says the heart knows his own bitterness. You know whether you're really honest. You know whether you're seeking God with your whole heart or whether you're holding back and you're a hypocrite. But if you would be completely honest, get into the presence of God, seek God with your whole heart. You never just put the Bible aside and say, I'm going to seek God. And if the desire continues, I'm going to take it as being God. No, the word of God trumps everything. You can be deceived. And if you, if your desire is something that is contrary to what the word of God says, I don't care how much you believe it, how passionate you are, you forget it. You let the word of God dominate your life. But if it doesn't violate the word of God and you seek the Lord and the more you seek the Lord, if the desire increases, then go with it. And I know some of you are afraid of that because I wouldn't trust my desires. That's because you aren't committing your life unto the Lord. You aren't truly seeking him and you have no confidence in that. But I'm telling you that this is a principle of God that if you would put God first, and say, God, I'm putting my life on the altar. I'm a living sacrifice and I just want to please you. I want to live for you. And then you seek him and delight yourself in him. Make him the most important thing in your life. If you were to do that and be honest and sincere, then you know what? You could do whatever you want to do because God would put his desires in your heart. I'm telling you, Some of you may misunderstand what I'm saying. I hope you let the Holy Spirit explain this. But I do exactly what I want to do. Because I'm seeking God. And I put God first in my life. And you know what? I long to minister and help other people come into the truth. I'm not doing this because I have to do it. This is what I want to do. If you were to just say, man, here's... $10 billion, do whatever you want to do. You know what? I wouldn't do anything that I'm not already doing. I just might do it quicker, but I'm doing what I want to do. I'm doing what God has put in my heart. I'm being led by the Holy Spirit. 
And this is how God leads you. I was going to Costa Rica one time. I'd already been there and held meetings in a Bible school and it was powerful and they had such a good time. They asked me to come back. So I went back and I was going to bring my pastor with me and we had already bought our plane tickets. We were flying through Mexico city and then on to Costa Rica. And, um, I was driving my mother, this is in 1980. And I was driving my mother from Arlington, Texas up to uh, Colorado to come to work for me. And I loaded up all of her stuff in a U-Haul and I was driving 17 hours in a U-Haul. And as I was driving, I just got to praying about this trip to Costa Rica. And I had had a wonderful time the first time. And I was just anticipating that, man, it'd be great to go back and see the people whose lives were changed and see other things happen. And so I was excited about it. But as I started praying, all of a sudden my desires changed and I didn't want to go to Costa Rica. And so I thought, this is weird. And so I thought, well, this may just be that I'm tired. I'm tired of traveling or whatever. And so I said, I'm going to just delight myself in the Lord. I put on praise and worship music. I worshiped. I praised God. I prayed in tongues for 17 hours. And the closer I got and more focused on God that I got, the less I wanted to go to Costa Rica. I actually got to where I hated the thought of going to Costa Rica. (laughs) And so when I got out of that rental car, I called the people in Costa Rica and I said, I'm not coming. They said, you got to come. We've already got everything planned. People are coming. We've publicized it. We've done all of this. You've got to come. And I said, I'm not coming. And they said, why not? What's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. I just don't want to go. I didn't have a reason. And boy, they got highly offended. They got really upset and they never invited me back. They took offense over that because they thought I just wasn't keeping my word, but I didn't want to go. And I've learned that that's the leading of the Holy Spirit. And so I canceled that meeting just because I didn't want to go. And did you know, it turned out that the plane that we were scheduled on. It landed in Mexico city. And then as it took off for Costa Rica on takeoff, it crashed and killed 169 people. Every person on that plane died. And you know how God saved my life? He changed my desire. He changed my want to, and it saved my life. And I could tell you dozens and dozens of stories where the leading of the Holy spirit has kept me from making mistakes. And this is just my spirit is one with the Holy Spirit. And if I will get in tune and put my heart on the Lord and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, I'll feel what the Holy Spirit feels. I'll desire what the Holy Spirit desires. And that is valid being led by the Lord. Amen. You know, people ask all the time, how do you decide where to go? Did the Holy Spirit tell you to come to Phoenix? Not in the terms of Andrew, go to Phoenix. But I just had a desire to come to Phoenix. And I believe that God led me here. And I believe we've seen all of these people born again, filled with the Holy Spirit and bodies healed and people's lives being changed. I believe it was God's leading. But you know what? I came here because I wanted to come here. Amen. I wanted to come. That's how God leads me. And I know some of you are trying to make it more complicated than this. You got to have a word from God. You got to have three goosebumps and five birds fly over in unison to verify and confirm. Man, that's just so complicated. It's as simple as you're just one with the Lord 
You seek him, you put your heart on him, and then you just take those impressions and desires. You check them with the word to make sure you aren't in violation of anything. And if the more you seek God, the desire gets stronger, then you do it. If the more you seek God, you lose that desire, then it was a carnal desire. And as you get into the presence of the Lord, it just ceases to be important. And that's how you run your life. It's so simple. You got to have somebody to help you to misunderstand it. And the sad fact is we've had a lot of help misunderstanding how to be led by God. Man, the Holy Spirit is so powerful. I pray that this conference has helped you to place a greater importance and value on the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. And if you just leave with a new awareness of the ministry of the Holy Spirit and a desire to have the Holy Spirit move in your life, then I guarantee you the Holy Spirit wants to do this more than you want it. And if you'll just open up to it, he will start leading you and comforting you and shedding the love of God abroad in your heart and giving you direction and man, just all kinds of things. So I tell you, this could change your life. Amen. Praise God. Let me ask one last time here, if there's any person here who's not born again, one of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, John chapter six, verse 44 is to draw you unto Jesus and to show you your need for Jesus. If you aren't born again, the Holy Spirit tonight wants to draw you unto Jesus to receive salvation. And if you are born again, then there is a second experience with God that is called the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples to not go anywhere, but tarry until they receive the Holy Spirit. They were already born again. And he told them to wait until they got the power of the Holy Spirit. And it happened in Acts chapter two, and they spoke in tongues. And it was a powerful experience. And after that, man, they were just changed people. If you haven't received this second experience, and some people think, well, I got everything of the Holy Spirit when I got born again. I haven't got time to minister on that, but I'm telling you my personal experience. I got born again in 1958, but I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in 1968, 10 years later. And as far as my life goes, as far as the outward things go, my life changed more outwardly after receiving the Holy Spirit than it did through receiving salvation. Salvation changed me inwardly, but outwardly I began to change when I received the Holy Spirit. It was a separate experience for me, and I can show you that in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 10, many different passages of Scripture. It is a separate experience from being born again. You didn't get everything. You got it on the inside, but you need the Holy Spirit to come upon you and start releasing this power. So if you have not received this second encounter with the Holy Spirit, where you receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are not limited to, but include speaking in tongues, you need to receive that. You can't operate in what I'm talking about tonight if you don't receive this baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And sometimes when I use the word baptism, that's become a religious word. And some people think, well, I got baptized when I was a child or when I first got born again. This isn't talking about water baptism. It's talking about where you are immersed in the Holy Spirit and overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. 
It's a separate experience. And if you haven't received that, you can tell whether you have or haven't by whether or not you speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, you either have not received the Holy Spirit or some religious system has messed with you. It is possible to have the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. I had the Holy Spirit before I spoke in tongues. But when I started speaking in tongues, it's just like, man, I was turbocharged. That's when the ministry of the Holy Spirit really began to take place. You need to speak. Somebody says, do I have to speak in tongues? No, you don't have to speak in tongues. You get to speak in tongues. What's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you want a gift that the Lord gives you? Amen. It's a powerful gift. So if you don't have this gift of speaking in tongues, and if you'd like to receive it tonight, we would like to share with you and help you to receive. Is there anybody here who'd raise your hand and say, I want to receive that. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand and let us pray with you and you can receive. Here's somebody right here. Here's others back here. Anybody else? Here's some. Praise the Lord. Anybody else want to come and receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Man, that's awesome. This makes nearly 200 people during these meetings that have come to receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their life. That's pretty powerful. If you raised your hand or if you were supposed to raise your hand but didn't do it and you'd like to receive the Holy Spirit, would you just come right down here and we want to pray with you and help you to receive the Holy Spirit right now. Come forward right now and let us pray with you. Praise the Lord. Just come stand right down here. Praise God. Awesome. God bless you, brother. God bless you. Hallelujah. I tell you, this is going to change your life. You're never going to be the same. You're going to be stronger than horseradish. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, unless you're standing here with someone, I'd like you to stand side by side because we're going to have people come up uh, behind you and lay hands on you and it makes it easier for them to reach you. So instead of standing behind each other, spread out this way and stand side by side if you would. That'd help us to be able to minister to you. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't this great? Praise God. I tell you what, this is going to make, if the Holy Spirit impacts your life the way he impacted my life, I guarantee you this is going to change you. You'll never be the same. And like I was saying earlier, you need to really anticipate this to be a life-changing experience because that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. He wants to really release his power in your life. Before you can receive the Holy Spirit, you must be born again first. You have to receive Jesus Because the Bible says Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. So you have to receive the giver before you receive the gift. Is there anybody up here who's not absolutely certain about whether or not you've really been born again, about whether Jesus lives in your heart? Here's a couple right here. Anybody else? If this is you, you need to raise your hand. We need to pray with you first. Here's another lady right here. Anybody else? You got to be sure. I'm not trying to instill doubt in you, but there's just so many people that think, well, I go to church. I believe that God exists. Isn't that enough? 
No, the Bible says even the devils believe that God exists and they aren't saved. You got to do what the devil has never done. And that is you have to turn your life over. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, you have to confess him as Lord. That doesn't mean that you're promising you'll never make a mistake because you can't keep that. But it does mean that you're giving him the right. You're saying, God, I want you to have my life. I want to live for you. I want you to control me. If you've never truly done that, then you need to do that and you need to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Anybody else who wants to pray and make sure that you've been born again, if you aren't absolutely sure. All right, I think this is three people. What I'm going to do, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and like I said, that's turning your life over to him, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It's that simple. He's already paid for your sins. Jesus loves you and he's already paid for your sins. And now it's a matter of will you humble yourself and admit, I can't save myself. God, I need you to save me. And if you'll do that, he'll forgive you right now. Isn't that a good deal? Man, that's awesome. Praise God. You know, your life is getting transformed tonight. Isn't this awesome? This lady's just shaking under the power of God. Man, the power and the anointing of God is on her. You know, I'm going to lead you in prayer. And I'd like to ask every person here to pray this prayer with us so they won't feel like we're just listening to them. And if you will say these words and mean it from your heart, you'll be born again. Isn't that awesome? Jesus provided all of this for you. And all you've got to do is just receive. So let's everybody say this. Say, Father... I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died to forgive my sin. And I receive this forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you are alive. And that you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven. Right now, in Jesus' name. Y'all believe that? Welcome to the family. You've just been changed on the inside. Were you praying or was it this lady? You were already born again? Welcome to the family. Praise God. Awesome. Awesome. Did you believe that when you prayed? You know what? I believe you've just been changed. You're a brand new person on the inside. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. You know, these three women, you're still women. On the outside, you look the same, but on the inside, you are completely brand new people. And you may or may not feel it because like I said, it's in the spirit, but you have been changed and you'll spend the rest of your life renewing your mind, figuring out what just happened to you, but you are completely changed on the inside. Now, according to the Bible, every person up here has already been born again and you've made Jesus your Lord. And so the scripture says, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God created you as a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit so that you don't have to wonder, will he give you the Holy Spirit? This is what you were created for. These women on the inside just became the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when we ask, all we're doing is 
opening up the doors and saying, Lord, you created me for this. I welcome you now to come into my life and take control. And I promise you the Holy Spirit's going to come flooding in. He's going to fill you. So that's all we're going to do. We aren't going to beg. Some people will teach you, you can't have any sin in your life or the Holy Spirit won't fill a dirty vessel. I want you to know God hadn't got any other kind of vessel to fill. All of us have problems. And if you've got a problem in your life, that just makes you a prime candidate for the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to get holy. You can't get holy without him. So don't let some sense of unworthiness stop you from believing that you're going to get the Holy Spirit. We're going to ask, and we believe that the Holy Spirit's going to come. And then I'm going to ask our prayer ministers to come up here. And these people are all people who've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. And in Acts chapter 8, it says that the Holy Spirit was given by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. So you can lay hands on people and you can release this power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to ask, and then they're going to lay hands on you and release this power to flow in your life. And then after they lay hands on you, listen to this. After these people lay hands on you, I want you to quit asking God for the Holy Spirit. There's a time to ask, but then there's a time to believe that what he promised is true. So I I want you to quit asking. And after they lay hands on you, I want you to lift your hands and start thanking God that he gave you the Holy Spirit. Take a step of faith, whether you feel anything or not, just trust the word of God and start thanking him that he gave you the Holy Spirit. And then those of us that know how to pray in tongues are going to pray in tongues because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 17, that when you pray in tongues, you're giving thanks. Well, you're praising God in a heavenly language. So we're going to start thanking God in our language. And I want you to switch from speaking in English and start speaking in tongues and start praising him in this heavenly language. And there's a lot. I know that you probably have a lot of questions. I did. And I hadn't got time to explain it, but I've got a book that will explain all of this and will help you. And if you have trouble speaking in tongues, it's not because God didn't give it to you. It's because you are misunderstanding how it comes. The number one problem that I had and that most people have is they think that the Holy Spirit's going to force you to speak in tongues, that he'll just take your tongue and make it work. That's not how it works. It's just like me speaking tonight. I believe that God spoke through me. I believe God inspired what I said, but he didn't make me say it. I said it. I spoke. I thought of the words. That's why it came out in my personality. That's why it came out with my sense of humor and stuff is because it was me talking, but I believe it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It's the same thing when you pray in tongues. It is you talking. It says in Acts 2, 4, they spoke with tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. You do the speaking. You make the sounds and believe that the Holy Spirit is inspiring it. And at first you're going to think, man, this is just me. It's not just you. It is you speaking, but it's the Holy Spirit inspiring it. And after you get over the newness of it and once you get into faith, you'll find out it just flows through you. Matter of fact, you can pray in, in your sleep. You can pray without even thinking about it. It's the Holy Spirit that's inspiring it. It is not just you. Okay? So that's what we're going to do. Everybody ready? Bible says believers will speak with new tongues. I want you to say, I'm a believer. I'm a believer. And I will speak with tongues.
Father, I thank you for all of these. Thank you for these three who receive their salvation. We believe that every one of us now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we open up the doors of this temple. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to come into our lives. We want your power. We want your ministry. We want you to shed abroad the love of God in our heart. We welcome you right now in Jesus' name. We lay hands on you now and say, receive the Holy Spirit. We loose this power and this anointing of the Holy Spirit to flow into your life right now in Jesus' name. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, this is the anointing and power of God right now flowing through you. I believe that God is just transforming your heart and your mind. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, I want you to put your hands in the air and go to thanking the Holy Spirit that He came. Thank Him that He does live on the inside of you. Thank you, Father, that I am God-possessed. Holy Spirit possessed. Thank you for giving me the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Now, those of you who know how to pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues right now. Just start worshiping God and speaking to God in a language that comes out of your spirit and not out of your brain. And those of you that have come to receive, quit thanking Him in English and thank Him in tongues. Start speaking right now. If you don't know what to say, you can try and say what you hear the person behind you saying, but that's their tongue. Your tongue will be unique to you. You won't be able to say what they're saying. It'll come out differently. But once you start talking, don't quit. Just keep talking. Just keep speaking. Don't worry about what it sounds like. Usually when people start, it's not fluent. It's like a little baby, but as you start using it, you just, you get over the newness of it and you start speaking, starts flowing out of it. You got to open your mouth to speak in tongues. You got to say syllables. You got to make sounds. Just speak out, speak out loud. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, you're worshiping God in a way that you've never done before. It's not coming from your brain. It's coming out of your born-again spirit. You're bypassing all of the doubt, all of the fear, all of the confusion, the worry that's in your mind. And you're speaking out of your spirit that's full of love and joy and peace. You're building up yourself on your most holy faith right now. Hallelujah. It may not make sense to you, but that's one of the very reasons that it's so powerful. It gets you out of your own logic and your own mind and you start flowing under the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Boy, many, many, many of these people are speaking in tongues. Man, there's some awesome looks on people's face. The power of the Holy Spirit's being shed abroad. The love of God's being shed abroad in their hearts by the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Let me have your attention here for just a minute. You know, whether you spoke in tongues or not, I believe God is faithful to His promise. He said, if you ask, He'll give you the Holy Spirit. 
I believe that God released the power of the Holy Spirit into your life. Sometimes people have a real emotional experience and feel it. When I received the Holy Spirit, I didn't feel it at that moment. But you know what? I got it. It was just a matter of faith with me. Uh, But I finally went ahead and spoke in tongues. But it took me three years. That's because I was a Baptist. And I'd been told that this was of the (laughs) devil. And I had so much fear about it that it just hindered me. But I got all of my questions answered. And I've written a book about it. And I'm going to give this book. It also shares about what being born again is. And it'll help those of you that prayed for that and explain what happened to you. It'll explain the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It'll give you the scriptural reasons for speaking in tongues. And it'll tell you the problems that I had speaking in tongues. And I don't think anybody had more trouble speaking in tongues than I did. And um, so it'll help you. And we've had thousands of people speak in tongues after reading this book. So I think it's really, really important that you get this book and understand what happened because what's happened to you tonight is more important than what you realize. I can promise you that. Nobody here fully understands exactly what's happened to you. You'll spend the rest of your life drawing on this and understanding. So I want you to have this book. I think it's important. And if you would, I've got Ashley right here, the man with this Bible up. He wants to lead you over to a room, give you a book. If you have questions, they'll answer your questions. If you need prayer, they'll pray with you. We just want to help you to get the maximum out of this. So if you would, just follow Ashley. It'll only take a moment. We're going to give you a free book. We aren't taking anything from you. We're giving to you. And I just encourage you to go and thank God for what's happened to you tonight. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I believe you are blessed. You received tonight. I don't know if you know that or not, but you did. Praise God. Awesome. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you, brother. Thank you, Father. Man, that's awesome. That's about 200 people this week that have come forward to receive the Holy Spirit. And I believe that we've had hundreds, maybe thousands of others that have been encouraged to flow in the Holy Spirit more and let the Holy Spirit have control of their life. And so, boy, this, if we have a thousand people or more that because of this meeting are now flowing in the Holy Spirit in a way that they weren't before, I tell you what, this is going to change a lot of things. It'll be powerful. Amen. This is our last opportunity to pray with you. These are our prayer ministers. And I tell you, they are just a blessing. I appreciate them coming. They came early and went through training. They've been here. And these people have been seeing some awesome things happen. So um, if you would like prayer tonight, I'd like to ask you to come forward and let one of our prayer ministers here agree with you and take their authority and just speak the healing power of God in your life. Amen. If you want prayer, come forward right now. Praise the Lord. The rest of you, I'd like to remind you that we already have the entire conference now recorded and duplicated on DVD and CDs, and they're already available out here. You can go pick them up on your way out as well as all of the other materials. Remember that tomorrow night, if you are in the area, I'm going to be at Living Word Church out in Mesa, and uh, you're welcome to come 
and receive ministry then if you'd like to. Rest of you, thank you for coming so much. I encourage you to not receive this just as the word of a man, but to receive it as the word of God to you. And if you'll take this and let the Holy Spirit use it, this is going to change your life. Amen. You're dismissed. You can leave if you need to be. I'm going to continue to pray with these people. You're welcome to stay and pray with us, but you're free to go if you desire to go. Thanks for coming. God bless you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you so much for your presence of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you didn't leave us powerless, but that you gave us the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for what the Holy Spirit's been doing in our midst during these meetings. And right now, as we pray for these people, Father, we believe that the anointing of the Holy Spirit is flowing through every one of these prayer ministers and that lives are being changed. Father, thank you that people are being healed and coming out of wheelchairs. That, Father, ears are being healed, eyes are being healed, bodies are being healed. Thank you, Father, that your power is flowing in every sickness and every disease is fleeing and that bodies are recovering in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. You know, the Lord is speaking to me for those of you that aren't down here receiving prayer right now, that there are some of you tonight that the Lord really spoke to you about just having an intimate relationship with God through the Holy Spirit. And this was new to you. You didn't think that God placed that value on you. You know, there's a scripture in Psalms, I think it's Psalms 35. I forget the exact verse, but it says, let God be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. You have to let the ministry of the Holy Spirit take place. And there are some of you that just because you didn't know that this was available, you had never let God really love you. And there are some of you here that you just weren't open to the Holy Spirit really loving you and telling you how much he thought of you and how much he loves you. And so you need to open up your heart. And I know that you may have already made a decision, but the Bible says faith without works is dead. I want to give you an opportunity to act on that right now. If you're one of those that has not even welcomed the Holy Spirit, giving you an intimate revelation of God's love. And you'd like to repent. I I just want to ask you, if that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand because we've already got so many people standing. If that's you, I want you to just stand and raise your hand and say, man, this is me and I'm repenting. And from this time forth, I'm going to welcome the Holy Spirit revealing the love of God to me. If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see who's doing this. And I'm going to lead you in prayer. And I believe that you're going to begin to have the Holy Spirit start revealing the love of God to you in a way that you've never had before. I believe it's going to make a difference in your life. If that's you, just stand right now and raise your hand and we're going to pray for you and we're going to see this ministry of the Holy Spirit work in your life. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Father, I thank you for all of these people. 
Father, thank you for speaking the truth to us. Thank you for the positive ministry of the Holy Spirit and that you are drawing us unto Jesus. And so these people have stood to say that, Father, we haven't even opened our heart to this. We haven't felt worthy. We didn't know that you wanted to reveal yourself to us this way. And so we just stand to say that we were wrong. We repent of this. And right now, Father, we welcome your Holy Spirit to start moving in our life and to reveal your love so that, Father, we would just be caught up in the love of God, that we would be enveloped in the love of God. And, Father, all of these carnal things that bother us, what other people have to say and all of the physical, natural things that come against us. Thank you that we just get caught up into your presence so that nothing else matters. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, and we make a decision, a commitment, and we believe you're holding us to that commitment, that you're going to reveal Jesus to us in a way that we've never known him before. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for revealing the Lord Jesus to us. And Father, we agree and we receive it and we thank you in advance. We praise you by faith that we are going to receive a revelation of the love of God like we've never had before. We thank you. We agree and we receive it right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. I want you to thank him by faith. Praise God that this is going to make a difference in your life. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we thank you, and I believe that's coming to pass. Thank you, Jesus. You know, let me give one other word of wisdom to you. You may have made this commitment right now, but you may not receive this revelation tonight because it's like a pipe. You can get that thing so clogged up that nothing can flow through it. And it just takes a while to get the clog out. Some of us have got so much stinking thinking that the Holy Spirit's not going to just devastate you, destroy you, overcome every problem that's in your life at one time. He loves you and he'll be patient with you and he'll just start chipping away at that a little bit at a time. And as you're able to receive it, he will start revealing himself to you. So there needs to be some patience on your part because God's not going to just totally overwhelm you. You know, I'm one of the few that had an experience where I was just overwhelmed with the love of God. And I can tell you this, I was useless for at least four and a half months. I didn't function. If I would have been married during that time, it could have destroyed a marriage. And not everybody experiences it all at once. And so it may come gradual, but you have prayed and opened your heart. And I can guarantee you, God wants you to experience this more than you want to experience it. So you've now made your commitment and you just go to expecting. You put yourself in the word of God, spend time praying in tongues. And I promise you, the Holy Spirit's going to start changing your heart and things are going to start happening. God's going to reveal himself to you. It'll happen. You just stand on it and give God some time and it shall come to pass. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. 
Thank you, Heavenly Father. We just praise you for this. Thank you for healing people. Somebody here is being healed of corporal tunnel syndrome. You've got severe problems right here in your wrist. And here's the healing power of God. If that's you, I want you to stand. Raise your hand so I can see who this is. Here's the healing power of God. Here's a man right here. Anybody else? Corporal tunnel syndrome. Here's a woman right here. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Here's one back here. Praise God. Back there. Father, we agree and I release your anointing towards these people. Whatever damage has been done under these wrists, under these forearms, I release the anointing of God. I command this corporal tunnel syndrome to leave now in Jesus' name. You be healed, bodies. Pain, leave them right now in the name of Jesus. There's this pain leaving you right now. And here's the healing power of God restoring whatever was damaged in you. Right there is the anointing of God. Father, we receive it. Thank you. Believe that from this time forth, they are healed. This problem is over in the name of Jesus. Amen. Did you have any pain before we prayed? Before we prayed, did you have pain? I can't hear. I'm shaking your head. Yes or no? Did you have pain before we prayed? No. Okay. But you believe you're healed. You can tell the difference. Awesome. Awesome. Amen. Is there anybody that had pain before we prayed? And you can tell whether or not it's gone. Praise the Lord. They aren't even listening to me. Thank you, Jesus. I know God loves me. That's all that counts. I can stand to be ignored. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We receive your healing power. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, I believe that the Lord's healing a lot of different heart problems. If you've had problems with your heart, I want you to stand and raise your hands. I'm going to pray for you. And I believe that the healing power of God is coming into people's hearts right now. If that's you, I want you to stand and raise your hand so I can see which ones you are. Praise the Lord. Here's people back here. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Father, for all of these, I just release the anointing of God. Hearts, we speak to you that you are healed in Jesus' name. We command problems with the heart to be gone now. We loose this anointing. Father, I thank you that you are restoring them giving them brand new hearts, healing valves, clearing arteries in Jesus' name. There's somebody here that had a heart muscle that part of your heart uh, died. It wasn't working. It was like a portion of it was dead and not working. That's the healing power of God right there flowing towards you. You're being healed right now. That part of your heart's coming alive in Jesus' name. Father, we receive this. Boy, here's, here's somebody who had a leaky valve. The thing didn't control things. I don't know what all that's about, but there was somebody here whose valve wasn't working. Here's the healing power of God, setting that heart free in Jesus' name. Father, we agree and we receive this healing right now. Thank you that every one of these has been healed. And from this time on, their heart beats normally that it works properly. 
that their heart has been healed in Jesus' mighty name. We agree and receive these miracles now in the name of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Awesome. You believe you're healed? Amen. Praise God. Were you the one that had part of your heart and died? I believe it's working now. I don't know if you can feel that, but I believe it's happened. God set you free. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Well, there's a lot of miracles happening. You know, when you go to talking about the love of God, when people get rid of this sense of, oh, I'm not worthy. It's not that people doubt God. People don't doubt God's ability. What they doubt is God's willingness to use his ability because they don't feel worthy. And see, when you start talking about the Holy Spirit and the love of God, all of a sudden people go to feeling the love of God. Faith works by love. And I tell you, miracles start happening. There's a lot of miracles happening in here because people are now feeling like God loves them and God wants them well. I can guarantee you, your mate, despite the fact that y'all have had problems and don't always agree, your mate wouldn't want you to suffer. They don't want you to die. You know that if your mate could, they'd get you well. Well, God loves you multiple times more than your mate loves you. And once you understand that, your faith just starts working and miracles start happening. Man, I believe a lot of people are being healed. Thank you, Jesus. You know, if you need healing in your body, rather than waiting on me to call everyone out, I just want to ask if you need a healing right now, and if you're ready to believe that God loves you enough to heal you right now, I want you to stand, raise your hand, and I'm going to pray. And I just believe that all kinds of miracles are going to happen. That people are, here's somebody's bowels being healed right now. You got pain in your bowels right now. And here's the healing power of God setting you free. Father, I pray for all of these that are standing right now with their hands up. And I thank you that your healing power is flowing into their body. Here's fibromyalgia being healed right now. You just have constant pain. People that are weak, fatigue syndrome. It's being healed right now. Dry mouth. Somebody's had a dry mouth. And I don't know that that's a terrible thing, but nonetheless, God's healing you just a dry mouth, chronic dry mouth. Here's the healing power of God flowing in you right now in Jesus name. TMJ is being healed. People that have had pain in your jaw, you're being healed right now. Knee problems are being healed in the name of Jesus. People here with circulation problems, you got very poor circulation. Your extremities are always cold. Because your blood, even in this Arizona temperature, you're cold because you don't have good blood flow. Here's the healing power of God healing you and your blood flow is increasing. High blood pressure is leaving people right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Father, we just loose your power and command these healings to flow. Sickness and disease, cancer, you be gone off of people. Leukemia, be gone in Jesus' name. Sugar diabetes, we command you to loose people and to let them go. Command the pancreas to come alive and work in Jesus' name. People with memory loss are being healed right now. Somebody had a brain trauma 
And because of it, you've got partial loss of your motor skills. Here's the healing power of God flowing. And I believe God's restoring you. You begin to start moving, doing everything that you possibly can. And as you do what you can do, the Holy Spirit will help you to do what you can do. The power of God's flowing, healing this brain right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Sinus problems are being healed, allergies, asthma is being healed right now. Father, I loose your power. I speak forth these things and believe that those sicknesses have to leave, that healing has to come now in the name of Jesus. Somebody in here who's flat-footed and has had problems with that, you're going to find an arch in your feet. God's healing your feet. You're going to start having arches. Thank you, Jesus. You're going to be able to stand and walk and do things that you couldn't do before. There's the healing power of the Lord right there. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for moving and touching people in here. Some of you are praying for other people. You're standing in the gap for other people. And here's the healing power of God flowing towards you flowing through you towards them right now. Healing is going wherever they are and their bodies are being touched and healed. We rebuke death in the name of the Lord Jesus. We speak life in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Addictions are being broken over people right now. Some of you are just being set free from all kinds of addictions. It can be emotional addictions to pornography and different things. Addictions to uh, cigarettes, addictions to alcohol, addictions to drugs. Right now we break these addictions in the name of Jesus. And Father, I thank you that the love of God is coming in and just forcing these things out of our lives. Thank you that we are delivered and set free. That people are set free right now in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Heavenly Father. We agree and we receive this in the mighty name of Jesus. Just lots of things are being healed. Whether I called it out or not, I want you to believe that the anointing of Jesus is right now touching you. There's a scripture in Mark chapter 2 says the, pres- the power of the Lord was present to heal. That's true here tonight in this place. The power of the Lord is present in this place to heal tonight. God is healing people. You just reach out and touch the power of God by faith right now. Speak over yourself and speak to that problem. Say, I am healed. Body, you respond pain, you leave me. Call that sickness by name and command it to get out of your body and off of you. Healed in the mighty name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. We receive it. Body, we command you to line up with the Word of God. We command you to heal. Infections, you be gone. Fungus, virus, you be gone in the name of the Lord Jesus. Body, you respond and receive the healing power of Jesus. Right now, by the stripes of Jesus, we are healed. Thank you, Father. And many of you in here are being delivered in your emotions. 
The sickness has gone past your body and it's gone into your emotions. You see yourself sick. You think sick. You dread sickness. You plan your life around sickness. God's healing your emotions too. He's taking it away. I believe that you're going to experience the love of God. He's going to give you such hope about your future that you aren't going to have time to be sick. You aren't going to be focused on sickness anymore. You aren't going to think about it anymore. You're focused on your future. You're focused on the good things of God. I believe that that healing is penetrating all the way to your soul and erasing all of the hurt and the pain and the emotional things that came with that sickness. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we agree. We receive it. We thank you, Father, for your healing power flowing through every one of these in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Y'all believe you receive? Hallelujah. Praise God. How many of you have already felt a difference in your body, like pain is gone or your ear hearing opened or your eyes open? How many? Praise God. Look at this. This is dozens and dozens. 50, 100 people have already seen physical healing at least start in their body. And you know what? I believe that every one of you, God's no respecter of persons. I believe God ministered healing to everyone. In the 11th chapter of Mark, he spoke to the fig tree and it took about 24 hours for what he said to come into visible physical form. But it was done the moment he spoke it. I believe God has touched you and bodies have been healed. And some of you, it may take a brief period of time, but I believe that the healing power of God is working in your life. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we just receive and we give you the glory and honor. Thank you for the miraculous working power of the Holy Spirit being here and changing our lives. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Awesome. Hallelujah. Well, it looks like everybody who wants prayer is getting prayer. Isn't that awesome? Man, I praise God for all of these prayer ministers. We're able to minister to so many people through this. This multiplies our effectiveness a lot. Praise God. And man, they just, they are really getting with it. That's awesome. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Thanks for coming. 